Get ahead of postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM. Are we not the bestest of friends already? Only in media. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the podcast that, frankly, is counting the Denis Gurionov goal from last game because I, I cannot comprehend how it didn't go in, so I refuse to believe that it didn't go in, and so this this is the podcast where it counts. He has a goal. Um, yeah, that's it. That's all. It's time to do a little stargazing. Uh, back in the saddle, this is Wes. Mark with me. Hello. How's it going? It's going great. Uh, glad to have you back. Uh, yeah. Uh, Taylor and I were arguing over who had to do the intro, and finally we don't have to have that argument. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm sure everyone is super thrilled for my inanity, but in all seriousness, I, I don't understand how how Garyanov, how that puck didn't go in, and it just it it, it blew my mind a little bit. I kind of I kind of you know it's the the Mandela effect. I was watching that highlight, and I I kept watching it, and and by the end I was like, you know what? I think that went in. I just I just think it did. You know. Hey. Uh- I know exactly what it is. Gurionov won't score until he gets an ass goal. Once he gets an ass goal, everything's back to normal. I think that's a. I think that's a great point. He just. You're right. It, it's one of those you get. You get unstuck, and you just need one. Yeah, exa- exactly. And I think Sagan did this a couple of years ago. It wasn't Gurionov's first goal in the NHL. In fact, an ass it goal was. or something like that. Yeah. So I mean, this is just a way that you uh, get back into the flow of. Things. And I feel like Sagan does this like every season he takes a week off from goal score. You know, there's always a stretch, right? And Ben does it a little bit too, but there's always a stretch where they're kind of scuffling, scuffling, scuffling. Then something nonsense happens and then the the pretty stuff comes back. Right. You just, it's like you're grabbing the stick so hard that you can't get anything in. And then all of a sudden something like some lucky thing happens that goes your way. And all of a sudden life is gorgeous again. Yeah. I, I love, yeah, exactly. By the way, for just just for the agenda, we're going to talk about the return of Miro. We're going to talk about organizational goaltenders, the Jay Cottinger situation. We're going to talk about the lineups. We're going to talk about zone exits. We're going to talk about some stuff, right? This very interesting, so far very positive start to the season. So I just wanted to get the agenda out there before we wandered too far off in the wilderness, Mark. And I wanted to, while we're on the topic of Denis Gurionov, and I'm, I'm going to mess up the sourcing of this. So maybe KT can can fix it in post. Um, it was, I, I believe it was either Saad or Shapiro had the the thought that wouldn't it be, you know, one of, with, with Denis Gurionov in particular, right? Because he has, in my opinion, the last two games, he's looked very good. Um, mm-hmm. you know, he finally got his first point on just a, a beauty of a zone drive drop pass followed by a beauty of a toe drag top shelf from Tyler Sagan. Like that, that play was magic. And it's, it's kind of what you hope it's, it's the, when you think about how Dennis Gurionov can can contribute offensively in a lineup, like that is one of the ways. Go really fast, put everybody on their heels, change the point of attack, right? He can create space like few stars can. So, but it was an interesting perspective. One of the things, and again, I, I think it was Saad, it may have been Shapiro. Like, apologies to the internet, I can't remember. Well, I, I think I think Sean Sean actually had a had a whole piece on on Gurionov, and it was then, in there. And it might have been in talking yeah, about he, how he, get him on the penalty kill. Right, exactly. And basically, right now with Denis Gurionov, he's gotten to a point where his performance is binary. He scores a goal, therefore he plays well. He doesn't score a goal, therefore he plays poorly. And he's kind of put himself into this position where 
that's really the only way that he can, and, and this is, I don't mean this because he can contribute otherwise, but but when we think about Denis Gurionov, the things that we expect are points and goals. So when that doesn't happen, dot, 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 Gurionov plays bad, question mark, right? And and the, pers- the, the thing I found interesting talking about putting him on the penalty kill is there are other ways, like like I said, he's played, I think, two, two and a bit really strong games now. And technically, he only has a point to show for it, right? So if we look at this from a Denis Gurionov force of offense perspective, 1.9 games, not good. But I don't know that it's the entire story right now. You know, certainly early in the season, he found, you know, he, he found himself in Scratchville, um, you know, had some issues, but, but lately has been well. I just, it was an interesting thought, thought point, uh, you know, kind of thought seed to me, thinking about ways to expand the, our perception of his game and perhaps even his own perception of his game. Right, exactly. Because what what you're really talking about is it, there, there's a thing that I view as as kind of the hockey forward doghouse, which is where you play your five on five time, but you don't have a role on the on the power play, and you yep. don't have a role on the penalty kill, and so really all you have that's sitting out there is what you can deliver as far as points, and points are such a you know, semi-random thing. I mean, you, you take a look at last game. I, you have a gaping, gaping uh, net, and, and and you hit the one spot where the goaltender's arm happens to be <laughs> across. I, I mean, and so so you're kind of dependent on, you know, all you can really do in in hockey is put yourself into positions where you have those opportunities right. and then you, you try and finish on a, a decent percentage of those, but sometimes that just doesn't work. And sometimes in the nature of, you know, we're only 10 games into the season. Um, you know, the, the, the role of the dice kind of can, can bite you every once in a while. And so you get the opportunities and none of them quite finish. And so you find yourself with one assist and no goals and you don't have a role on the power play. You don't have a role in the penalty kill. And all of a sudden you're kind of at the bottom of the heap. Yeah. And it's hard, and, and to that point, right, it's really hard to get going. Yeah, and if, which, is, which is why I always say you need the ass goal, because now all of a sudden life is good again. Yeah, I agree. So it'll be interesting. He is, he's one I'm watching. We've, we've, we've fought the, you know, the Gurionov Wars over the years, and it's, like I said, I was very excited. You know, I kind of went through the cycle, right, when, when, DeBoer came in. I was very excited for the prospects for Garyanov. Then I was, you know, kind of unhappy at the very, very start of the season. But lately, I've been coming back around. I've kind of been seeing the flashes that I was hoping to see. So I, I do think he's one to watch. He had that that elbow in you know, the crossbar chance. Um, that what you know again, much much like the the hitting the arm, right? Yeah. Eight times out of ten, that's a goal, right? And it's a sample size thing. We're sitting at nine games. Two two slightly different bounces and all of a sudden he's sitting at two goals in nine games, which yeah, is he's light. on a hot streak. Yeah. It's not lighting the world on fire, but it's, it's, that's perfectly acceptable production. Right. So it's, it's one of those, you know, it's, it's, it's something that, that stood out to me and it's something that, you know, kind of I've, I've kept my eye on or will right. be keeping my eye on over the next couple, next couple of games. Hopefully he can stay in the lineup. Hopefully last game, like I said, he's, he seemed to be showing, you know, Sagan's kind of going again. Um, he's having a good year. Um, you know, he's up to eight points in 10 games, three goals, five assists, which is my goodness. If, if you could have, have wished for anything as a Stars fan, it's it's that kind of early product, early season production from, you know, Tyler Sagan. And so maybe this is kind of an omen of things to come. And then we, we're going to see Gurionov starting to get some some looks with scoring groups. And, and won't that be wonderful? But, you know, we'll, we'll just have to see. 
We, yeah. We've had these false flashes before. We've also had him go on a heater for a whole season before. So it'll be interesting to see where he lands. Yeah, and I mean, it, the good part is that the team's, you know, at 6-3-1 and one, uh, yep. here going into Arizona without really Gurionov doing a whole lot. And, and we all know that he has the potential to get on one of these streaks where all of a sudden, you know, you're get, if you're getting normal Gurionov production from his spot there on the second line, that not only makes us really two strong lines up at the top, but, you know, we're, we're hard to match up against. Yeah. So, so, and, and so that's you know, only more positive is going to come out of that uh, moving forward. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and they're going to need it too, right? Because on to, you know, talking about not getting much at Amiro, they haven't gotten much out of a couple of other big players more recently, which is, you know, Miro Haskinen who missed three games and Jake Ottinger who left in the middle of the New York Ranger game. So, you know, this is a team that hasn't necessarily had all of their tools available over the last stretch. And, and, and we'll start We'll start with the good news. They got Miro back, and and part of this was they got him back against the Los Angeles Kings, but also part of it is like, holy smokes, right? He was on the ice for all five Dallas goals. He had a couple of assists. He was not on the ice for either of the Los Angeles Kings goals. And and our boy David has been tracking, you know, zone exits. And I may have these transposed in my mind, but Miro was effectively perfect on his zone entries and his zone exits. He was six for six, I believe, coming into the offensive zone. He was four for four exiting the defensive zone with possession. So it's, it's, you know, like I said, part of this was the Los Angeles Kings aren't in the same place they as the, you know, Rangers and Bruins, et cetera, in terms of their competitive cycle. But it was really, really difficult to watch the game against Los Angeles and not just be gobsmacked by, you know, like absence makes the heart grow fond, right? Three games without him and all of a sudden, oh, right. Miro does everything well, has no flaws. You know, let's, let's F and go boys. Yeah, exactly, and I think David David tracked the game before against the Rangers, and and you know the the zone entries, the zone exits were were incredibly bad. Yeah, and and it's just a complete flop from that. And and you know I I did some did some work on on looking at the Kings before, just as I wrote the preview for it. And the Kings have been going through stages where they they're playing pond hockey and kind of open up the neutral zone. So it, it was just set up for Miro's Miro's game coming back, and he took complete advantage of it, and it was awesome to see. And, and it's with him. The amazing thing to me is he does. It's it's because you can't defend him, right? If if you if you uh, if you attack him aggressively. He's going to stick handle around you. He has, you know, amazing hands. He's got a fantastic sense for space and his skating is just next level good, right? So you can't play him aggressively. He'll just walk past you. At the same time, you can't sit back on him either because he'll get that speed going and either again beat you skating or he's he's so perceptive and he makes those little touch passes, right? So it's it's one of those like you you can't put him in a position where he doesn't have options because he can do absolutely anything. And when when Dallas does that, it's it's like starting up a man, right? Because you know Miro's going to beat his guy, which turns it into a five on four up the ice, if not a five on three, because he's going to beat another guy too. 
And it was just even when he's, I mean, obviously they scored five goals and it clearly worked and the power play was, you know, like I said, all of a sudden, right, a lot of the areas Dallas had been struggling just miraculously clicked back into place with Miro Haskin in the lineup. But but it really is amazing how his presence breaks everything the other team's trying to do and everything the star is trying to do gets just incrementally easier, whether it's directly related to Miro or just because he's out there. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I'm just at some point his nickname is just cheat code. Yeah, because that's what he does. And it's it's yeah. interesting to contrast him to some of the other, you know, the Adam Foxes, the Kale McCars, especially in you know, McCarr. I think if you're a Stars fan, right, buckle up. That's going to be the comparison. He's in division. He's already won, you know, the big prizes. Right. McCarr is is flashy. Right. He's the he's he's, you know, dragging and he's he's turning and curling. He's, he's doing all the Miro is a different sort of flashy in that he doesn't necessarily it, 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 it's. I think sometimes he's a victim of how easy it, he makes it look. You know, he yep. will beat a guy, and all he really does is shift his shoulders to get the, you know, forechecking forward to kind of pick a lane and then take a step out of that lane and skate around him. And it's yep. one of those things that if you're just kind of casually watching, you don't really notice the skill that's involved and you you like you, you need to go three games without him and you need to kind of step back and realize that like it's weird that nobody else on the ice is taking you know one step to the side and beating two skaters clean you know and you you almost have to like he look cheat code's a good word for it because Miro makes it look so easy that you almost don't appreciate how good he is yeah what what I always find interesting, you know a lot of a lot of guys who protect the puck when they bring it up will do a lot of stick handling and and you know you know quick changes of direction, various things like this to try and wrong foot people. And if you take a look at Miro, he's doing this with a long stride and and, and you know he he guides the puck along. He's not really stick handling. He's just moving it into a position that where where it's not vulnerable. Yeah, and, and and that's why it's so languid as he's coming through because he's he's not he's he's really not quote unquote trying. He's he's anticipating where he needs to be and he's getting there in an efficient fashion and gliding and just touching the puck periodically is how you do things efficiently. And I think as well that's part of what makes it so difficult to defend because if if you're getting if you're creating that space like you said by virtue of just kind of keeping the puck moving ahead of you, you're never stuck in a stick handle, right? You never have to, mm -hmm. he, he's always ready to pass or shoot because whenever the puck hits his stick, he's not engaged and he's not in a, he's not in a strange position. His, he's not body engaged doing something else. Like it's just, the puck is just, it's either on his forehand or his backhand and he, he can either push it to the next spot and continue skating or he can take a shot or he can make a pass, right? It's just all, all of everything is on the menu. Yep. Yeah. He's, he's forcing, he's forcing the defenders to commit and, and then he just reacts to it. You know, it's like a, it's like a shootout, uh, you know, something, somebody coming in for the shootout who gets the goaltender to commit before they put the puck on net. It's the Which exact all, same concept. Yeah. And, and for almost every other defender, it's backwards, right? With yep. almost every other defenseman, they're reacting to what the forward is doing, what the forecheck is giving them, what, the, you know, they're, they're react with Miro. He's, he's dictating. Oh, and it's a beautiful thing. It, it is a beautiful thing. Less beautiful. The bad news, of course, is, you know, Jake Ottinger checked himself out of the, you know, what was at the time a very competitive game against the New York Hockey Rangers. And, you know, Dallas kind of fell apart, ended up losing the game. And um, Ottinger is going to be reevaluated, I believe, at the start of next week. He's not on the current road trip 
right. Um, I think he's still in Frisco. So best best case scenario, you know, the 11th next Friday against San Jose would be the earliest they may see him. But again, the language wasn't he's out a week. The language was we're going to evaluate him in a week. So really not a lot of news. Um, you know, I think it was, um, you know, Saad went back through and Josh, I think as well, Bogorod went back through. It really wasn't a contact injury. It looked like what, what DeBoer said in the press conference was the gold, you know, Re- Jeff Reese told him that, um, that Ottinger told Reese that he caught his, he caught his skate on the post, um, felt something and felt he had to come out of the game, but it wasn't really, there wasn't like an explosion or a collision and then he was down. So not a lot of word yet on what's going on and beyond just, you know, anxiety. Well, and, and, and sometimes you get these little injuries where, where you know you tweak something and you know if you push it, you could make it worse. And here, I, I, I can give you a little old man talk here. It's like once you get to a certain age, your back just is kind of iffy. And there's that little twinge that you get that says, if I make the wrong move here or stress it, I'm not going to be able to move for three weeks. And so maybe I'd better not do anything that's really going to stress that back or even even have the possibility of doing so. And, and you know, if you're a goaltender and you feel that tweak and you know that, the, you know that, you know, it's okay if you rest it a little bit, but if you push it, you could make it worse. And, and I, I agree with that. And, and that, to me, the bright side of all of this is, especially given how important he is to the stars, thank goodness he pulled himself out. Because you're right, like, you know, obviously we still need to figure out what, what the heck's going on, but... In the grand scheme of things, they've had a good start. You know, Wedgwood has been a good backup for them. It's a light week. Hopefully, his prudence in that situation will pay off. Yeah, and here, I mean, from my point of view, I I, I kind of look at these not just as a Dallas Stars thing, but as an organizational thing. And I think one of the things that this has pointed out is how reliant this, you know, we started last season talking about how, how the Dallas Stars had four quality NHL goaltenders on the roster. And we're at a point now where, where because of a little tweak with Jake Ottinger, what we had happen was we had a true B goaltender move up to be the number one. We had to sign the number two guy at the NHL level to an NHL deal because he was only on an AHL deal and only has 11 professional games to his name. We, we then go down to Texas, where we have Ant- Anton Hudobin, who has is still in full recovery mode, coming back from a major injury, and, and has not looked real comfortable yet in, in his starts, even though he's 2-1-1. One, one. His backup is Remy Poirier, who literally has one professional game to his name. And then you even take it down to Idaho. Idaho had to sign a backup goaltender yesterday, a guy named Peter Thome, who has he played three games for Idaho last year, but they needed to sign him because they're riding Jake Kupski, who's in he's he's solid. He, he's a great ECHL goaltender, but that's because Adam Scheele is injured. So I mean, the depth of goaltenders on on, on with throughout the organization. You know, if, if one more block falls, whew, whew. and all three of these are really good teams and, and goaltend and goaltending kill them at this point. Yeah. They're the, they're the golden Knights from last season at this point. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's, yeah so it, you, you're hoping you're hoping that that Ottinger's situation is one that resolves itself quickly for sure. Um, again, the positives are Wedgwood has looked good as as the backup. I you know he did not. I, I think even he would admit that the finish of the Rangers game, those two those two quick back to backers that kind of broke the Stars back, wasn't wasn't ideal. But to his credit, he came back and played well against Los Angeles. So he's he's got a week of games coming up. Um, you know, a big one against Edmonton. That's that's kind of circle it. But you know, Arizona could be tricky tonight as we record, and and Winnipeg has given Dallas trouble historically. So you know, definitely not lay down hands, but. You know, they've got Arizona, Winnipeg, San Jose, right? That's not the worst stretch to have to lean on your backup. And hopefully they'll get some good news on um, on Ottinger. Okay. Yeah, I, I, I agree. And it's the, you know, in my mind, the question is, you know, Wedgwood, Wedgwood came back or with the Stars last year and probably had the best little stretch that he's had with the single team that he'd had in his career. And, you know, Maybe maybe he saw the light somewhere. Maybe maybe the bounces were going his way. Maybe there was something to the way Bonus uh, ran his defense that allowed him to play better. And so the question now is, you're stepping into this role. Are your numbers going to be what they were playing with Dallas last year? Are your numbers going to be what they've been at every single other stop along the line in your NHL career? And we're yeah. crossing our fingers that it's it's, you know, last year was not an anomaly. And this is, you know. Scott Wedgwood is going to be the wedge wall and, and he's there for us. Yeah. And, and you hope as well, this is, you know, getting Miro back, I think makes a ton of difference. Um, he'll, you know, you hope Lundquist has looked good. Colin Miller's looked fine. Like I, I have been pleasantly surprised by a defensive group that we were frankly a little bit worried about coming into the season beyond, you know, beyond Miro, there were some question marks. So this group has been pretty stout ahead of him frankly so of the forwards i think you know in terms of of team play dallas right now we were talking ahead of the during the pre-show they're one of six teams in the entire western conference with a positive goal differential they're plus 10 that's second in the conference they're, they're only vegas is ahead of them at plus 16 and they're the only two teams in double digits so this is a team that the defense is a little bit better and the offense is certainly um, a little bit better. They're, they're currently, let's see, one, two, three, four, five. They're, they're fifth in the, the conference in goals in goals four. So this may be a situation where they can take a little bit of the pressure off if they, you know, kind of keep, keep the puck in the other team's zone for a little while. Yeah. And the thing, the thing I've noticed is that they're, the forwards coming back on the back check, especially when, when you get an odd man rush, those guys are coming back hard. I mean, there's, there's nobody gliding on their way back. There's somebody, they're coming back with purpose and, and, and that's nice to see. Yeah. And, and I think this is, you, you've seen, and you mentioned this as well, getting into, they're coming back with a purpose and we haven't seen as much shuffling so far. Yeah. Like, you know, you've had, uh, I think Delandry has bounced around a couple of different lines. He's really turning into, like a a kind of modern day Mr. Fix. He he almost gives me Lettinen vibes and that they keep putting him on lines that are struggling or not struggling is wrong, but, they, but he's turned into the guy that you add to a twosome that makes it a little bit more solid. Right. So he's been playing very well. Um, you know, ice time has been very evenly distributed. We're, we're officially out of the era where we've got a fourth line and you know, all that. So it's the crew ahead of the, the crew has been good so far. <laughs> 
Well, and the thing is, they need to be because we're going out on the road with with twelve forwards on the roster. I mean, there's there if if we uh, if we lose somebody, uh, cross our fingers, no, we're we're playing eleven forwards seven D because that's all we have, and we don't have cap space to bring anyone else in. Yeah. Yeah, so you know it's early season, which helps. The I think the ice time thing also helps there. When when you're keeping everybody's minutes kind of level, it's much easier to you. You don't ever want to do that, right? That's that's not a situation you want to be in. But if you've got a, if you're kind of relying on a for, if there's a particular forward that's playing, you know, 23, 24 minutes a night, and that forward gets hurt, it's a lot harder to distribute those minutes than when everybody seems to be in that 15 to 16 minute range. Right. And, and, you know, the other thing that's really helpful in that situation is that the team really hasn't been behind all that much. And so when, when you're playing even, or when you're playing up, you can roll those lines and, and it'll be interesting. You know, at some point in this season, Dallas will be down a bit and they will, uh, we'll, we'll see how that minute distribution starts working, you know, down a goal or two and and see if, if the bench, the bench may shorten at that point. Yeah, you'd think it will. But, you know, every game that they don't have to do that is a game, you know, kind of in the bank, right? It's it's kind of minutes management. And, you know, it's it's not like anybody's statistics are hurting. The top line has not missed a beat. They, you know, the three of them, at, at Robertson's got 13 points in 10 games. Hey, maybe the kiddo deserved the contract after all, right? Hens has got 12 <laughs> points in 10 games. Pavelski has nine points in 10 games. Sagan has eight. Marchman has seven. You know, look out here is Miro with five points in seven games, right? So you're getting scoring depth. Um, right now, which is what I think. Yeah, I think that's going to get better too, because it, you know, from my observations, you know, those first couple of games, Robertson was really, it it was training camp in the NHL and, uh, and, you know, the last, the last five or six games, that whole line and, and, and Robertson in particular have just been hitting their stride and, and dominating. Yeah. So yeah, that's, that's a really good, um, a really good call out. So he had an assist in his first game. He had a three point night against Nashville and then a point against Winnipeg. So he had four points, sorry, five points in his first three games. And then, and then he only had two points in his next four, right? He had, he had a goal and assist against Montreal, but blanked against Toronto, blanked against Ottawa, blanked against Boston. So, you know, still kind of shaking off the rust a little bit back with a goal against Washington goal and a helper against the Rangers goal and two assists against the Kings. And, and all of a sudden you're right. He's, he's definitely trending in the right direction. Well, and the thing is, as I'm watching it, what I'm, what I'm seeing is that he's not rushing. And, and there was a brief moment early on where, where, you know, one, one of Robertson's keys is, is the, the world seems to slow down when he has the puck. Mm-hmm. And and it didn't seem like it was slowing down when it, when he first came back and and it's back to the point now where it's like the puck finds you know the puck's on his stick and he it's almost like he has a few minutes to uh, to look around and see what he wants to do and then and then he's going to execute on that. Yeah, I mean he seems like the, that that line with with Henson Pavelski is just perfectly calibrated. You've got you've got you know speed. You've got people that all three of them use space exceptionally well hence has the you know back up off me be scared speed you know pavelski's got that veteran noir it's just they you're right they complement each other and, and all three of them seem to be able to slow the game down when they need to or to accelerate it when they need to yeah and it's just you know this is not news it is a, a hassle and a disaster trying to defend them because much like we were talking about with miro earlier 
if if you want to get into a track meet, they can do that. If you want to limit them to the half court, they can do that too. If it's point shots, they can burn you there behind the net. They can, you know, they they can go anywhere, play any style, and and they'll and be better now, than you. Yeah, and, that, and then this team as well, you know, in, in years past, right, you could maybe just put all your, your, you know, just load up on trying to stop them. But this year, Sagan, Marchman are, are kind of pacing them, right? So it's, it's we're finally, even you know, and for all of his struggles, struggles, goal scoring, you know, Ben has got some points as well. So it's, you know, for all of the, you can't load up on the first line anymore. Dallas right now has five forwards, um, you know, Sagan and Marchman being the other two, five forwards that were that are within a point or two of a point of game pace, right? Oh yeah. So, no. yeah. Well, I you know I I I kind of wrote up that one of the things that to watch for in the Kings game was that they were going to have the Dano line, you know, up, up up against the Hints line, and it's like there's your shutdown line against the Hints line, and and McClellan ended up throwing the Dano line out there against Marchman. Yeah. Um, because I, I I think he wanted to have them lined up with a line that he thought he could control. Yeah, and I think you're right. And I think you know it's to the point where you almost, when Dallas is on, when it's clicking, you almost have to just give up. You you give up on one matchup, right? And you almost have to go from the perspective of okay, we're going to give something up to the first line instead of instead of the whole like well let's stop the first line no matter what you're almost in the mode now it's like well we're going to give up something to them so let's stop everybody else and just hope for the best yeah it's, it's like let's throw the throw the fourth line out there and see uh, see if chaos can can create anything good for us <laughs> yeah and and so far it hasn't <laughs> it hasn't yeah exactly what uh, I, I i forget the numbers that i've seen but what what they're 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 goal percentage you know goal scored versus goals against against is somewhere in the 86 percent range other oh, so, it's, so, it's I a mean, beautiful the, thing it is yeah. i mean they were they were the second best line in the nhl last season behind that group in calgary and that group in calgary doesn't exist anymore and you know this this may be they may not have it you know top to one to three right they, there may not be right now a more effective and impactful trio in the entire nhl yeah well just don't tell anybody from boston right I mean, yeah, that's that that's the and that's the rarefied air they're in. And the fascinating thing to me is, it's not a secret anymore, right? You, you were, it's not the you know Robertson is no longer uh, kind of under the radar. Hints is certainly no longer under the radar. Like there's there's no mystery to it. It's not a wow, this this kid's on a burner. Let's see what happens when he gets to sixty games and slows down. It's like no, that's that's what these three guys are. You know, yep. let's let's go. Good luck. Drop the yep. puck. Well, what else did we have to cover today? It, it, the one thing I wanted to call out is something, and I have done, I admit, um, you know, somewhere in the distance, David is cringing because I've done no serious analytical work on this whatsoever. This is just my Joe fan observations. I have, I, I would swear that Dallas, one of the things, they have been so much more fluid, in particular, leaving the defensive zone this season. And one of the things I've noticed them doing, it's, it's almost soccer-like in it it feels like in previous seasons when Dallas's initial line of exit got blocked right the forecheck something their response to that situation was to chip the puck off the glass and win it back in the neutral zone right it was very Dallas was very much plan A and then plan B is eject right and it was a very you know at, at times very limited they'd either get it out and on their initial zone exits or it was chip and chase city here we go it feels like this season the team has been much more willing 
to make passes inside the defensive zone to create a different point of exit and try and, and leave the zone with possession versus relying on the chip as plan B. And what I mean by that is the puck will come up the wall and the defenseman will pinch. And that forward, instead of just chipping it up and going, will either bunt it back to the, to the defenseman or play a touch pass to the center in support. And they're, they're much more willing to play a lateral or even a backwards pass in the defensive zone to create the, the, the skating and passing lanes to give them better momentum on the exit. And I want you to tell me I'm crazy or I'm not, because I feel like this has been a it's been a staple of this, you know, the first the first 10 games of this season. And I do not think that it was in their toolbox last season. Yeah, I mean, uh, just just, you know, having having not thought about this a whole lot, uh, my my initial gut reaction is, yeah, I, I've seen that and I don't remember seeing it in the past. So here, we'll, we'll, we'll just kind of call David out here. David, when, when you listen to this, uh, throw something out on Twitter that tells us that Wes is right. Yeah, I would love that. And if David doesn't tweet, then you know he's not listening to us. And then he's right. got another bone to pick with him. That's right. We'll, we'll, we'll turn it into a feud. But <laughs> and, and I think in general, this is a team, and, and it's manifested in good and it's manifested in bad. Um, but this this team so far this season has been more willing to make a mistake at the with if if there if there's an opportunity there, right? They've they've been more willing. The and, and I'm not they're not careless for the most part. I, they're not they're not doing anything stupid or being you know kind of feckless with the puck. But it feels like whatever percentage calculation used to be in their head, you know, it must be, you, you know, in order to execute, you must expect X percentage of success. I feel like that number is lower. And overall, it has been to the stars. It, it's It's been helpful for them this season. They've been much more willing to make a riskier pass or stick handle a little bit or, or make a play versus just, okay, the easy thing isn't here. Let's just get rid of it and figure it out from there. Right, right, exactly. And I, I, who, who, I think I just read something today where I, there was a quote from Tyler Sagan that, that was saying, you know, Pete DeBoer is, is much more willing to, uh, to see mistakes uh, or at least not punish mistakes mm -hmm. uh, than, they're, than, than they're used to, which, which leads you to play a, a bit more free. And, and, and you kind of have on the other side that, you know, there, there are ingrained habits that these guys have been playing under a defensive regime for four or five years. So that, that doesn't just go away. You don't stop playing defense because you've been given a little bit more of a rope on the offensive end. Yeah, exactly. And I think as well, one of the interesting things to watch over the next week is part of what has helped this work is when you've got a goaltender that's saving 95% of the shots he's facing, then you can get a lot looser with your calculus, right? You can take those risks because Jake Ottinger, the friendly sea creature, is going to make sure that the puck doesn't get into the back of the net, right? And so when you've got a guy like Haskinen that makes zone exits easy, well, that that gives you a larger margin of error. And when you've got a goaltender the caliber of Jake Ottinger that's going to stop some of those mistakes, the margin of error gets even larger, right? So you know they went three games without Miro. They're they're going to go at least three, maybe maybe more without Jake Ottinger. So it will be interesting to see if that trend continues over the next week. But you know it's one of those things, right? That's that's the advantage of having a goaltender as good as Jake Ottinger, isn't that? 
it makes it easier to play lockdown defense in front of him. In my opinion, the benefit of a goaltender like Jake Ottinger is you don't have to play lockdown defense in front of him. You can take more chances and you can put more of a burden on him to bail you out from time to time because in aggregate, the offense will be will be better enough. You know, the the improved offense plus his performance will outweigh whatever risks you introduce, giving your team a little bit greener of a light to make some mistakes. Right, exactly. And it, and you take a look at it. With Ottinger, it's almost like you, you feel like you're going to win games four to two. And, yeah, with, with yeah. Ottinger, you score two goals and you've won. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, and well, but that was kind of the way it was last year, except we were looking for three to two victories. And now we're kind of looking for four to two victories. And so if we give up the third, you can still win four to three. Yep. And, you know, the other the other thing, and I'll just add this on top, is, you know, not only have we had the luxury of Ottinger behind us, but, you know, this team has gotten out to leads. Yeah. They score first. And, and and so that that also kind of loosens things up a little bit in, in a positive way because you you aren't you aren't fighting you aren't fighting the scoreboard. Yeah, and I and I mean the other thing I'll say is is kind of getting into the the nuts and bolts is this team has has played very well. They're you know the I think if memory serves they're the top of their division right now. Um, they're like as we already talked about their goal differential, second best in the conference. So they're you know they're having a fantastic season. And Dennis Kirianov has one point. Jamie Benn yeah. doesn't have a goal yet. Miro Haskinen missed three games. Jake Ottinger pulled himself out of a game, um, right? Like things are going well. They're six, three and one. And they've done that with, you know, like they haven't been behind a whole lot, but like Jason Robertson missed training camp, right? So this is a team that actually has had a little bit of adversity, right? They had to, to integrate, um, integrate Mason Marchment, uh, integrate Ty Delandria, you know, integrate Wyatt Johnston. This is this is not a situation where last year's kind of a powerhouse from last season kind of rolled into this year's status unchanged and, and kind of kept it going. This is a team that had significant turnover. It hasn't had a ton of injuries, but it's had important ones. And yet they've won, you know, twice as many games as they've lost. And, you know, they're they're kind of building a cushion for themselves and, and can maybe stay out of that squishy, gross kind of bottom echelon of the conference when it comes down to the playoff chase. So it's it's one of those situations where it's good in a vacuum. And in my opinion, it's even better when you start adding in some of the context. Yeah, and you take a look, you know, the the, the road trip that they took through through, you know, eastern Canada and then through Boston, that's not an easy road trip. Um, though, you know, those teams are all kind of playing okay. I, I guess I, you may maybe. I mean, Boston's the best team yeah. in the NHL right now. Or sorry, second. Right. The Golden Knights are the best team by by record, but uh, by points. But Boston is Boston is a buzzsaw, and Dallas played them tight. That was a good game. Played them tight without Mira. Yeah. Yeah. So it's uh, yeah. So it, it's you're you're right. This, this team, the record's good, and. It's it's not that they've been thriving on the on the bottom feeders in the league. They've they've won the games that they should win, and they've been in the games that uh, that are tough games, and they've won some of those. So yep. yeah, at this point, I would say you know, as a Dallas Star fan, I'm optimistic, and that's hard to say as a Dallas Stars fan. It's we're tra- it's been trained out of us, and and you know it's to me this week yes, will be there, there's two games that you know they took care of business against the Kings. Realistically, right, the Coyotes and Jets should be another couple of games. Although the Jets have been quite good this season as well, but 
you know, those are two, you know, if we're looking for signs of, of what this team is, right, there's a the, the Saturday, the fifth showdown against the Oilers. That's that's a big one. And then they've got at the, the start of next week, they've got Sunday, Tuesday, Thursday, you know, flyer. Oh, gosh, I'm looking at the schedule. So next week they go Flyers, Lightning, Panthers, Islanders, Avalanche. And so like this this week is sort of the last little tune up. Hopefully guys get healthy, get things dialed in because. Next week is going to be our first real moment of, you know, by the time Dallas rolls into Chicago on November 23rd, we're going to have a very good sense of exactly how real the start to the season is. Yep. Yep. And you know, the Flyers I, I, have of... been pushovers. And then you've got the Lightning, who are the Lightning, the Panthers, who are quite good. The Islanders have shaken off an early start, kind of early stumbles to get better. And then then the defending Stanley Cup champions. Right. So you've got, you know, you've got five marquee capital M games coming up here uh, next week. Yeah. Well, two weeks. Yeah. Sorry. Um, Two weeks. Sorry. Two weeks. Got to get through the rest of this week first. Right. Well, yeah, get through this week. And actually, you know, my final thought for the. I'm looking forward to Saturday. I mean, just watching watching Edmonton and, and Dallas with with McDavid and and Miro is just such a joy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, just just to watch the two people who are at the top of their game go head to head. Agreed. Agreed. So let me. We're gonna we're gonna get, bring the prediction game back. By the time you know, we talked about November 23rd against the Blackhawks. My my question for you: How many goals will Jamie Ben have? By the time the puck drops against Chicago, um, I'm going to say one. Interesting. Okay, so you don't think he's going to get get ungunked and go on a little run here? I think that I, I don't think we need Jamie Ben to score as many goals as we have in the past. No, and I I I I, I think he'll probably have less goals than Delandria and and Johnson. That's you know, Johnson's obviously already there, but I think Delandria will will turn out to pot a few more. Fair enough. I think that's I think that's a fair prediction. I, I think he'll it'll be interesting. I, I could see him getting I could see him going on a little bit of a run, but the team is asking him to do different things now, and and you know I could just as easily see him with one or two or none. Um, but I think it'll be interesting to see how the next couple of games go because he did he looked quite good against Los Angeles, you know, didn't, didn't directly on the score sheet, but my goodness, his pass on the first power play goal was, was something to behold. And then I'm, I'm a oh. big fan of, of, you know, subtle big brain hockey plays and his, his kick pass to set up Pavelski is one of those. It doesn't look like much, but to have yeah. the, pre- it, it was, I will go to my you know gun to my head. That was intentional. There is oh, no doubt in my mind. Absolutely. Yeah, and to have to have the presence of mind to to take the puck into your skates and to just kick pass right to an open winger that that was that was a underrated smart hockey play. Yep, yep. And and the thing is, I I, I say this not in in any negative way about Ben. The the way this team is constituted, we really shouldn't be putting the pressure on JB Ben to be the goal scorer that he once was. This team isn't built to have Jamie Ben be a, be a primary goal scorer and let's enjoy him for what he contributes because I I think with him in the bumper on the power play and and him kind of being the core to the to 
Delandry and Johnston. These are excellent things for the team, and he doesn't need to be throwing up 25, 30 goals while doing that. Yeah, I agree. And I, I will say as well, it's it, not taking anything away. Obviously, Ty and Wyatt have a ton to do. You know, they they have agency here and, and their performances, you know, they get to own they get to own how well they've played so far. At the same time, I, I do not think that it is an accident that Pete DeBoer has has let, you know, Jamie Ben and Tyler Sagan as well with Delandry, but has let Sagan and Ben kind of ride Shepherd on on the two kids. I, I do not think it is accidental that that has been the setup and that they have succeeded as they've as they've done. I, I could not as a, you know, someone that's I, I remember Jamie Ben as a 19 year old down in Cedar Park, right? So I, I think he is exactly who I would want Wyatt Johnson playing with right now at this point in his career. And I think that, you know, he does the things he does, yes, and he's even, you know, five points is, is plenty. But to your point about the ways and means that Jamie Ben contributes, I think that that you're exactly right. And, you know, right now it's he's he it's we need, you know, that physical presence, that that keeping his his line mates in the game, chipping in offensively when he can. And, and right now we're getting that out of him. I think that's a good thing. Yeah. And, and I mean, I'll go the other way. It's it's like. Jamie Ben being in the ear of Ty Delandria is not something that other teams want to see <laughs> because because Delandria is just going to lap that up because that fits his that fits yeah. his future role perfectly. Yeah, you yeah that's I, I couldn't couldn't agree more. That's something you just it's turn it's going to be one of those situations where like as as a Stars fan you smile and as anybody else you just cringe because Delandria is there's I you know I'm not I'm not there, there's something there. He's he yep. is he is coming into his pedigree as you know the the draft status you know he didn't get there immediately it's not you know it's not the same as we're seeing with a with a Rupa Hintz or, or Jason Robertson but I I think that that there is you know he's twenty two six one one ninety five right three points in ten games it's not jumping but like I think I think Ty Delandry is one of those guys that we're gonna look back you know. 10, 12 years from now, and, and he's going to be a, a Dallas Stars legend. because yeah, I he's going to be the glue yeah. guy that, you know, he's turning into the guy that we hoped we drafted. Yeah, which and, is, it's a fun a thing. a really watch. good thing. It's fun, it's fun to watch. Well, let's go watch some hockey. We'll go watch some hockey again. Yeah, you know, we're gonna we're gonna go ahead. It's it's uh, Thursday night, so puck is dropping in the Mullet Arena. We're gonna go check that out. It's it's been a good start. We'll see how they roll over the next week. KT, as always, thank you for putting this together. Mark, your insights I treasure, especially helping me call out David to to do a little bit of to finally get off his butt and do a little bit of hard statistical analysis. It's, he's he's had it too easy too long. And yep. uh, don't forget to download, to like, to do all the things, and and. We, we look forward to uh, the, the coming week of Stars Hockey. Take care.